All right, well, just uh, in the time that we have left, just want to share a few things that I feel like the Lord's put on my heart for this morning. So how about you take out your Bibles, and we're going to head to uh, Philippians chapter 3. You know, the online space, as Joel was talking about, social media and all that kind of thing, it's, when it's used correctly, it can be a wonderful tool to reach people spread the message of the good news of Jesus and connect with people and proclaim a message of hope. So uh, that's something that as a church we've really felt to, to do and invest in. So I'm looking forward to seeing what God does through that. And uh, we'll keep you posted about that. Um, this morning we, uh, I heard a joke this week. I'll, I'll start off with this. We sung, obviously, Cornerstone today, so hopefully you guys get this. Um, it was a, a joke. Why do Christians tend to be wary about shopping at Ikea? Because we dare not trust the Swedish frame. There you go. I heard that during the week, and I thought, ah, oh, I'll share it this morning. So obviously, we've had a, few, a couple of extra things on this morning which has been great, uh, and that means that our sermon will be shorter today. Praise the Lord. I knew there was going to be one. I knew there was going to be one. So at this stage, it's, the aim is for it to be a, a shorter message. But you know, how many of us know that the Lord can speak? He can breathe life in a moment. It's not like you know, it needs a minimum sermon length to speak or anything like that. There's, a, there's an ability for Him to, to get through to us. And that's what I'm believing for today, even in the time that we have left. So, Lord, would you help us just in these few moments we have as we open up your word? Thank you that so often throughout the Gospels, we read Jesus, you, you saying, you know, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And I pray, Lord, that we would be a people who have ears to hear what you are saying to us this morning. Lord, we want to not come to your word today or to this message and, um, you know, with any sense of pride or... We want to look beyond our, our intellect or what we know or preconceived notions. And we want to come with humility, Lord God, and expectancy to what you might speak to us, Lord, to what you might challenge us in. So uh, just come and have your way. Breathe life into the words that I speak, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. And, and really my heart this morning is to encourage us, yes, but hopefully and more accurately challenge us in a particular area and something that, that will, will lead to change and transformation, hopefully in our hearts and lives, that would actually cause us to stop and reflect on where we're at and um, would cause us to examine our own hearts. I don't know about you, I don't just want to come to church on a Sunday and go through the motions and sing the songs and hear a nice message and go. I actually want to be transformed and changed and and, and grow more and more into the likeness of Jesus. So Philippians chapter 3, a wonderful passage. And of course, Paul's writing this letter. He's talking about confidence in the flesh. And we'll pick it up in verse 4. He's saying that I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But, 
Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And this passage, there's so much that we could bring out of this this morning, isn't there? But for me, the overwhelming thing that stands out about Paul as he's writing this and as we look at his writings all through the New Testament is that for Paul, Jesus was everything to him. Jesus was everything. Everything else was a loss compared to the joy of knowing Christ Jesus. You know, this was a man who was imprisoned, who was beaten. He was you know, kept in chains. He, he, he was writing this very letter in prison. He, was one, he says that my life has been poured out as a drink offering. Everything about him was about Jesus. And so this morning, this is the question that I want to ask us, the challenge, if you like, that I want to challenge us with and myself with as well. And at youth, we've been kind of looking at it this term, so they'll be somewhat familiar with it. And it's this. Is Jesus your something or is he your everything? Is Jesus your something or is he your everything? You know, I really believe that Jesus must be central to our lives. We've sung this morning about cornerstone. The cornerstone was the, the, the foundation stone, if you like, that everything else lined up to that. That must have been put in first. It wasn't put in at the end, oh, we'll leave a bit of space for the cornerstone just so we don't miss out on that. No, that, must, that stone in old school building, and even now we have the foundations, must have been put in first, and everything else was built around that. Everything else was lined up to that. Otherwise, if that wasn't there, it just wouldn't have worked. And in the same way in our lives, if Jesus Christ isn't the center, isn't the cornerstone, I'm sorry, but it just doesn't work as it is meant to. You know, Jesus is not just some, something on the peripheral. He's not just fire insurance saved up for a time of trouble. He's not just some you know, lucky charm that we keep you know, when we need things to go well for us. He's not some accessory that we bring out on special occasions, like when we need something or when we need a car spot, when we do the Christmas shopping. He must be central and our everything. I'll put it like this. I'll just share a quick story. Recently, um, my mother-in-law, she, she was cleaning out some rooms in her house and they were doing some renovations and things. And she came across a box of old school yearbooks, you know, the ones like and they were from, you know, 25, 30 years ago. The school yearbooks with all the pictures and all of her five kids. And so she brought them along to a, a family uh, gathering recently for those that wanted to take them to have a look through them and take them away. And so there, there, there we all are looking through all these old pictures. And I was interested in this because I've known Steph, uh, my wife, for 18 years or so. But, you know, there was all these years before that that I didn't know. I didn't know what she looked like in primary school. And so I'm, I'm like looking through, trying to find her. Oh, there you are. There you are. And some of her siblings were doing the same thing, looking through these yearbooks. To, oh, there you are. And you're looking through. Okay, where are you in this picture? Where are you in this picture? 
And uh, my brother-in-law, he was looking through and he was, he was only a little kid in one of these particular pictures. And he's like, oh, there's my arm. There's my arm. I see it. I remember I was holding on to, to mom and I could just see the arm in the corner of this picture. And perhaps you, you know, remember those old kind of school photos or old awkward family photos that you have and you look at the picture and you're like, okay, so where am I in this picture or where is little Johnny in this picture? And you're like, I'm pretty sure he's... Oh, there he is. Yep, you can just see him behind there. You can just see him, just his arm just coming in at the side. And if we just transfer that kind of analogy to our lives of faith, you know, in the picture of our lives, where is Jesus in that picture? Is he there like... I know that he's there somewhere. I know that, oh, yep, yeah, can you see him? There he is. He's just behind, you know, all those things. He's just there. Or is he front and center where he should be? If we look at and examine the picture of our lives, where is Jesus? If we look at how we are spending our time, the decisions that we are making, where is Jesus in that picture? If others look in and look at our lives, and they see Jesus in that picture. As Joel was saying just before, you know, the best way that we can share our faith is as other people look in to the way that we live. And that should just be the most natural thing in the world to, that people see and people can hear as we just share with them. But if, if others look at the picture of our lives, would they see Jesus front and center? And, you know, this kind of question, is Jesus our something or our everything? It can be... Not, very, not a very comfortable thing if we're really honest and if we really examine our hearts at times. I include myself in this. But you know, I'm not really here for your comfort. Of course, if you need comforting, I'll be there. But we're not called to just live comfortable lives. We're not called to just, just be comfortable, you know. I'm here, I believe, this morning and, and for each other. The Bible says to spur on one another and Love and good works in our faith. Iron sharpens iron. We're here to challenge, stir each other on, I believe. Spur each other on, sorry. Stir each other up in our lives and faith. Lives of faith. So that we know and pursue and live for Jesus. And I want, to, I want us to be a people who live in a way that we gain Christ. That we are found in Him and that we know Him. You know, we can read this and we think, well, it was easy for Paul to say these words. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. We can think, well, there weren't as many distractions in those days. There weren't as many things that perhaps took, can take up our time. You know, but actually, if we think about it for a second, Paul had everything going for him. He had status. He had position. He had a good reputation. The Bible tells us that he was advancing beyond many of his own age in Judaism. He was like the man. He had a future mapped out for him. He was excelling. He, he had achievement. He had success. He was heading onwards and upwards. He had it made. But, he writes, but whatever was my gain, Whatever was once important to me, those things that gave me my identity and my security that were outside of Christ Jesus, he considered them a loss compared to something infinitely greater, knowing Jesus. There's something about Jesus, isn't there, that changes things. 
that shifts our perspectives and changes our priorities, that changes our hearts. You know, for Paul, it happened on the Damascus Road. I'm sure that many of us know that story where Jesus appears to him, blinding light. Who are you, Lord? And Jesus speaks to him. And Jesus, who you're persecuting. Wouldn't that be an amazing encounter with the Lord? For others, you know, the disciples, it was in their workplace that Jesus appeared to them and encountered them. They were there fishing, cleaning their nets, and Jesus comes up and says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. They left everything and they followed him. We could look at so many other examples throughout the Gospels where people left their livelihood, their old way of life. Sinners gave up what they were doing. We look at someone like Zacchaeus, you know, cheating everyone out of money and their taxes. And Jesus appears to him and he's like, look, let me just tell you here and now, I'm going to pay back, you know, everything that I owe, anything I've stolen, I'll return. Just from an encounter with Jesus. The woman caught in adultery. The man possessed by demons. We could just keep going on and on. There's something about Jesus. His love, his very presence, his grace, his mercy. Who he is demands a response. Demands a response. You know, in Revelation 3.20, Jesus is saying, Jesus is speaking to the church. He's saying, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens up the door, I will come in and I will eat with him and he with me. Well-known verse. I'm sure we all know that. You know, what an amazing picture that is, that he wants to come in, that he wants to have his rightful place in our lives. And unfortunately, I feel that all too often we, we let him in. Oh, Jesus, how are you going? Come on in. Come on in. We let him in. It's great to see you, Lord Jesus. Um, I'm actually just really busy right now. If you don't mind just sitting over there in the corner, I'll be with you as soon as I can. Actually, no, I don't want you to see that part of my house. Maybe if you could just go into that room. I'll call you when I need you. Jesus, can you just get me a glass of water, please? Can you just... And we can laugh, and I'm guilty of that myself, where we invite him in, and it's like... Just sit over there, and when I need you, then I'll. I believe that Jesus, the price that he paid, who he is, what he's done for us, demands so much more than that. Demands so much more than just a token little, oh, come on, Jesus, I need something. And this morning, I think, I think well, I find it good to be challenged from time to time. And hopefully the Spirit of God has already been speaking perhaps convicting, perhaps highlighting some things in, in our lives, um, you know, so that we can ensure that Jesus is front and center. And please hear me this morning. There's absolutely no condemnation or anything like that, but rather an invitation, an invitation that as you live out your life, you know, the day-to-day life, how can, how can we live in such a way that Jesus is front and center, that he's our everything, not just our something on the side? I love the cry of John the Baptist in John chapter 3, verse 30. He's talking about Jesus. He's testifying to who Jesus is. He's, he's exalting him. And he, he cries out, you know, he must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase in prominence, the word says, but I must decrease. He must become greater, another translation says, I must become less. And of course, that's not lessening our worth or value or anything like that. That's allowing 
Jesus to, to become greater, to fill our thoughts more and more as we make decisions, as we live our lives, that he is the one that we are looking to, that he is the one that is front and center. And uh, I, I, I don't really feel to, you know, give a whole lot of uh, this, 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 do this, 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 and this, and this is how you make it that Jesus is everything, not just something. I feel like hopefully the Lord will just be speaking to each one of us as we go from here today. But let me just encourage us in the little things. A few weeks ago, we had a leaking tap in our laundry, just over the laundry sink. And it was just dripping. And you think, oh, it's just a few drips. Doesn't really, won't really make a difference. Anyway, I put a bucket under that. And throughout this one day, I had to empty this bucket like two times at least because it was filled to overflowing just because of a little drip. So let me encourage all of us this morning, just little things, how we make decisions, how we spend our time. It might not seem all that significant, but it all adds up. There's a momentum that comes as we choose to put the Lord Jesus first and central in our lives. Before we know it, there's just like that, that growth, that momentum. It starts with the little things. And just, just to finish off this morning, very quickly, to bring this together. When Jesus is the center, we exchange what is mediocre temporal, and temporal for something far greater. When Paul writes, then I may gain Christ... That word literally means to exchange what is mediocre for something better. It's like a trade-up. It's like a trade-up. And there are some things in all of our lives that are wonderful, that are good. And I'm not saying that we can't have any good, worthwhile pursuits in our lives. Of course not. But it's just what position they, play, they have in our lives. What position of prominence they have in our lives. But when Jesus is the center, we exchange the things that are temporal, that aren't going to last for something far greater, gaining Christ, gaining Christ, the greatest treasure of all. The Amplified Bible puts it this way. We count everything as lost compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him, a joy unequaled. I want to say where there are things that perhaps... We've counted as gain in our own lives, as advantage as we seek to gain Christ. In place of that, the joy unequaled of knowing him far surpasses any of the temporal joy that we get from any of those things that can take up space in our lives. So we exchange what is temporal for something far greater. We come to know him. Paul writes in verse 10, that I may know him. That I may know, not just a little mental ascent, oh yeah, I know about Jesus, but experientially, becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely. That's how the Amplified Bible puts it. I just think that's wonderful, isn't it? Experientially, becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely. I don't know about you, but I want to become more and more acquainted with the Lord Jesus. I want to be, be, grow in understanding the remarkable wonders of who he is and that more completely. When Jesus is the center, when he becomes our everything, we know his power. Now I know him and the power of his resurrection. I really believe that as followers of Jesus, we can experience the power of God 
in our lives today. We know his power. I believe when he's the center, when he's our everything, we share his sufferings and his heart. We hear sufferings and we think, oh, that's not, not all that encouraging this morning. But I really believe, as we heard last week, Matt spoke so wonderfully around you know, others. As Jesus is the center, as, as he becomes greater, as, as we become less, as he becomes our everything, not just our something, I believe that our heart comes into alignment with his heart. That the things that break his heart are the things that break our heart. That we have a heart for the lost, a passion for the lost, for people, for loving others, for sharing the gospel. And you know as well, as he becomes more and more our everything, the center of our lives, it's no longer just I, I, I. Christ. No longer me, 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 my, 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 but Christ. And that's the way. That's, that's, I believe, how he calls us to live. The heart for others, knowing him, knowing his power, and uh, knowing what is infinitely greater than what the world, even the very best of what the world has to offer. So, a little sermonette this morning, hopefully, but let me just encourage us. This is the title of the message as well. Is Jesus your something or is he your everything? Would you stand this morning? I'd love to invite the prayer team forward at this point, uh, if, they, if they can just make their way to the front. And, well, if any of you have any prayer needs whatsoever, please come forward for prayer. It's always a good thing to be prayed for. It's always a good thing to receive a touch from the Lord. I think I just want to give opportunity for anybody that wants to respond this morning. Um, If, as we've been opening up the Word and as I've been sharing, you just feel like the Lord has just been, you know standing at the door knocking, putting his finger on some things, even bringing conviction, I'm not sure. And you'd love to just come and say, Lord Jesus, I want you to be my everything. I'm sorry for the times where I've just kept you at arm's length, where I've kept you you on the peripheral, on the outer. If you just want to, I guess, recalibrate this morning. Say, Jesus, be the center, be my everything. I'd love to just invite you to come forward. And just before we do that as well, um, perhaps just while every eye is closed, you know, for Jesus to become our everything, the center of our lives, we need a relationship with him to start with. And uh, if you're here this morning, perhaps you've never heard about Jesus, perhaps you've grown up in church, perhaps you've wandered away and you're trying to come back perhaps you've been invited along with a friend I don't know where you're at today but God knows he sees the hearts of everyone and uh, if you're in this place this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus you've never 
said yes to a life-changing, life-giving relationship with Jesus, where you've never experienced his forgiveness, his cleansing, his hope, his joy, his freedom, I just want to give an opportunity now where every eyes closed. Would you just raise your hand at this point if you want to say yes to Jesus this morning? Praise God. See your hand. Praise God. See your hand over there. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Over here. Wonderful. Praise God. Wonderful. Can we just celebrate that this morning? Join with heaven. (laughs) There are people coming home, entering into a a relationship with Jesus. For those people that that, uh, raise your hands, I've seen who you are. I'd love to just invite you as others come forward for prayer. Would you come and see me? Um, Just so... just so I can talk with you. I'd love to just pray with you as well. Um, So that's wonderful. Praise God. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for all that you've been doing in our midst today. Jesus, I just pray that uh, as your people, that you would be the center of our lives, Lord God. Lord, would you forgive us, forgive me, Lord, for the times where Those other things, Lord, sometimes good things can distract or even just cloud our focus, Lord God. And more and more gradually, we just kind of push you to one side. Lord, I ask this morning that where we need to, we would recalibrate. Lord God, we would come back to you, our first love. Lord, that we would also be able to say, as the Apostle Paul did, that all those other things we count as lost compared to the all-surpassing worth, the joy of knowing you, Jesus, our Lord. Lord, I thank you that you are Savior, that you have forgiven us, you've saved us, cleansed us from our sin and our shame. Lord, but I thank you that you are Lord as well, God. And I pray that you would be Lord of all in each of our lives, Lord God. And this morning, we yield our hearts to you afresh. Lord God, we surrender our hearts to you afresh and say, have your way. Let our lives reflect you. Let our lives be all about you. Let our lives point people to you, I pray. And Lord, I just want to bless each and every person here this morning. As we go from here, may we not just kind of leave having heard this message and just go, but may we just reflect on. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just continue to speak to us and challenge our hearts God in this week ahead we love you and we honor you Lord Jesus we're so thankful that you've been here with us today and that you go with us from this place in your precious name we pray Amen